श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जय ग्रंथराज श्रीमद् भागवतम की जय गो भक्त बिंद की जय गो प्रेम आनंदे so continuing our discussion Srimad Bhagavatam we left off in the second chapter of the first canto and in this section the seed verses in effect for Rupa Goswami's stages of development in bhakti from initial faith up to praying or love of Godhead are found. Guru Goswami gave a verse, uh, wrote a verse, composed a verse in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu delineating nine steps, nine stages. Shraddha, initial faith that dawns in one. Then the subsequent pursuance of association of others who have been so affected that causes us to live in the association of similar faithful devotees. And in the context of that association, one devotee stands out as the guide and um, speaks to us in that way such that we select that devotee as our guide and then we learn the bhajana kriya so from faith to sadhasanga association with devotees in the context of that we find our guru and we come to the stage of bhajana kriya which means that we learn how to and we execute the various practices that constitute bhakti yoga under good guidance from bhajana kriya, kriya means activity, so bhajan means the activities of worship. Uh, we come to anartha nivritti. Anartha means, artha means values, so anartha means false values. Our life is preoccupied with false values, things that will not endure, we're chasing after. So these anarthas become revealed, they're unwanted things, they're really obstacles to our progress. They come to the fore in the context of this life of Bhajana Kriya and the sincere devotee retires them. Hmm? Praise for the day we retired. Praise for the help in the form of spiritual practice and chanting of the Holy Name that they will um, stop haunting the heart, so to speak. And as that happens, we come to the stage of Nishta. Nishta means fixed. So there are unwanted things that get in the way that make our bhajan life, our practicing life, up and down. When they're substantially those things removed, then we don't ride the waves of our material emotions, but we remain steady in our practice. This stage involves largely acquiring a very good understanding of the teaching, what I'm involved in. My intelligence then, uh, purified by the scripture and informed by the scripture, gives me the power to to 
ignore the clamoring of the mind, so to speak, and uh, uh, not let it get in the way of my practice. So as practice becomes steady in this way, then, then from steady practice in which by the force of my scripturally informed intellect, I forego the calling of the mind and and the senses, and I have the power to do so. Then these things, they go away altogether. Hmm? And as they go away, then that which is inherent in bhakti, in, for example, the name of Krishna, the sweetness comes out. Example sometimes given that if one has jaundice, hepatitis, then um, things take a certain color. Or sweet things taste bitter. But in India, the cure for hepatitis or for jaundice is to eat sugar cane. Although it tastes bitter, it cures the jaundice. And then when the jaundice is cured, then the sweetness that was always there in the cane can be appreciated. So I like to say, for example, then one what was previously medicine becomes food. The practice that is medicine that I should take, I understand that I realize I should intellectually, and I do on the force of that, I'm philosophically kind of cornered myself. So I was like, I'd be a hypocrite to do otherwise, so to speak. Then, at some time like this, then that uh, those desires are retired and the taste that was always there in the chanting comes. So, what was medicine that I took now becomes my food. I'm not taking it because I need to take it to deal with my condition, but I want to take it. It's my life. So ruchi, this means taste, it's um, been described as attachment now, not to material things, but to my practice, attachment to the name. Just like, just think about it, just like you're attached to eating. You don't have to think about it, you go naturally there. So go naturally towards bhakti. This is my, it's not my medicine, oh, I've got to take my medicine, i got to take my medicine. How many rounds have I chanted? I'll let it chant a few more. Okay. Not like that. It comes to food. Hmm? So this, these stages have been described. And then the asakti, from, a, from, a ta- from ruchi, from the taste for bhakti, comes attachment to the object of bhakti, to Krishna. Hmm? And this uh, attachment then gives rise to spiritual emotion. We call it bhava. That is the next stage. And uh, so this is the discussion tonight, bhava and prem. Prem means, bhava is like the sun of a ray, a ray of the sun of prem. Prem means love and bhava means emotion, feeling. Hmm? So in tonight's verse, this, this comes up. We just, we've discussed the seed verses in the Bhagavatam from which Rupa Goswami has written his own verse in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu describing what is it, a nine, nine-fold stages that we pass through in our 
spiritual practice. Of course, Vishwanath Shepati Thakur has written a book called Madhurya Kadambani that um, some of you are going through now on the Tatvaviveka on our cyber whatever forum and discussing it and so forth. Everyone should try to participate in that. Um, it's a book that, that Vishnu Chapatitaka wrote some hundreds of years ago based on those that verse of Rupa Goswami and explaining those stages in greater depth. And he'll cite verses from the Bhagavatam, of course, which is the core text of the Gaudiyas um, to, uh, to that correspond with those stages. We've been going through these. They happen to come in this second chapter where the answers to the questions posed by the sages in the first chapter start to um, come in the form of the reply of Sutta Goswami to the sages headed by Shonaka. A very kind of essential core section of the Bhagavatam. So we come to tonight's first that evam prasana manaso bhagavad bhakti yogataha bhagavad tattva vijnana mukta sangasya jayate Prophet translates thus established in the mode of unalloyed goodness the man whose mind has been enlivened by contact with bhakti gains positive and scientific knowledge of the personality of Godhead in the stage of liberation from all material contamination. So here in Prabhupada's translation, he starts out by saying, thus established in the mode of unalloyed goodness. That's not found in this verse, but it's found in the previous verse. So he's he's carrying over from the previous verse, which said, Tadara jastamo bhava kama anabitam stitam Sattve prasiduti. Stitam sattve prasiduti. Sattve means goodness. Stitam means like fixed. So he becomes fixed, established in goodness. Who? Evam prasanam tadarajastamo bhava kamalobhadayascheche. Kamaloba means lust, greed. Tadara Jastamo Bhava. Tadara Tara Rajastamo. Rajastama. Rajastama means the influence of the gunas. Guna means rope. Hmm? Ropes that bind us in material existence. They have a manifestation in our physical physical aspect of our material um, experience and the psychic aspect or dimension of our material experience. Rajas Tamas. And there's another one called Sattva. Tada Rajas Tamo Bhava. So the previous verse said, having become free from Rajas and Tamas, these lower influences, passion and ignorance. Hmm? Ignorance is that which propels us just to pleasure ourselves, so to speak, to indulge in relation to sense objects which never satisfies us, hmm? which is, the, is said to be the, the womb of, from, 
from, from which suffering takes birth. Dukkha yonai vate. That's just the opposite of what people think, right? We're preoccupied with indulging ourselves, bringing our senses in touch with objects and thinking that we'll find something there. What really happens is we, we lose a sense of the self, the sense that I'm the experiencer, matter is experienced. I get so absorbed in the experience of matter that I think, start to think I am matter. We even philosophize about Some people do philosophize along those lines. Nothing but matter. The experiencer is not important. <laughs> so, um, this is Tama. Tama Gunan Rajas means passion. Passionate mode makes us active for material progress to secure a bank account and some security. We are, we are at a loss under this mode's influence of the sense that we are an enduring entity. We cannot die. There's nothing to protect. We don't need a bank balance. No matter how much money we have, no matter how much money we have, we're going to eat and, and um, have a roof over our head. Uh, according to, um, really according to our, our karmic destiny. It's a false struggle. But at any rate, Rajagun makes us want to progress materially to accomplish and be, um, and thereby establish some security, some power. And then the Satpaguna, which isn't directly mentioned in the verse, but is implied as well, there's also a rope that binds us. It, it, uh, it, it, it is illuminating hmm, in that it helps us to see and understand theoretically that there's a difference between myself, the experiencer, and that which is experienced. It can give me inspiration to practice. It should. Hmm. Therefore, in one sense, it's it's cultivated, but it's only a lifting off point. It's like going to the air, airport. You don't live there. You're there to go somewhere else, so to speak. Hmm? But this verse, this previous verse, speaks when it speaks of sattva, it doesn't speak of the sattva guna. Hmm? The, the illuminate, illuminating mode of nature that is about intelligibility, hmm? uh, so to speak. Um, uh, but rather the state that is beyond these gunas, which is also called sattva, but it's called suddha sattva. Suddha means pure. Suddha sattva. Goodness un, un, untouched by material nature and, and the complacency, for example, that may result from the influence of sattva guna. Hmm? Um, so Prabhupada begins here tonight's verse with a carryover from the previous verse saying, having, been esta- having become established in um, unalloyed goodness. Sitam sattve, prosiditi, the words were used. Sitam sattve, prosiditi. Prosiditi means satisfied. A similar word is used in tonight's verse, evam prasana. Manaso, prasana, prosiditi, to be satisfied. Hmm? 
so we know that this previous verse is speaking about sudhasattva, pure goodness, because it uses the word prasidati, because sattva guna doesn't satisfy the self. Hmm? There's some sense of satisfaction, but not full satisfaction. So, having become situated in pure goodness, it means having passed through the stage of ruchi, where all where material ambitions are have evaporated. Chaitanya Dev described it: nadanam, nadanam, nasundarim. It's not a stage in which I perceive them, I have them, but I forego them. Hmm? and work to eradicate them and so forth. They're gone. Nadanam, he says. I don't want any wealth. Nadanam. I don't want any followers, people. I don't need emotional companionship. Nadanam, nadanam, nasundriyam. The uh, attraction between the sexes, I, I, I don't have that. Nadanam. Imagine. You've gone somewhere, you'll think. This is removing the negative. But because it's being removed... In the context of bhakti, there's something positive that shows up. If you were just to remove them by another method, hmm, then you wouldn't you wouldn't be as successful for one, and you wouldn't have a taste for Krishna Nam necessarily. So the taste, the sweetness of the name is there. So tadara jastamo bhava kamalo The corollaries of of rajas and tamas are such things as kama, krodha, loba. Lust, anger, greed, as these things are gone, material desire gone. Nadanam Mahaprabhu said, Nadanam Nasundurim Kavitam Bhav. I don't want any wealth, followers, I have no attraction for the opposite sex. If we study these words used here, it covers the whole entire scope of material existence. Hmm? We, uh, it, 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 it these words he's used correspond with the influence of these different modes, these gunas I'm speaking about. Hmm? The desire to pleasure oneself, the desire to, 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 to be someone and get security, and um, the desire for, even for uh, virtue, sattva guna. Hmm? Or knowledge says, I don't even, I'm not interested in, in that either. Hmm? So, um, as these things retire, the taste comes, and these stages move quickly then, from nishta to ruchi to asakti to bhava, comparatively. It's kind of like having gone up the mountain with great difficulty, one goes down the other side into the valley of love of God with some relative ease, comparatively. Hmm? So, ruchi comes to asakti, which is attachment to bhakti, develops into attachment for the object of bhakti, and bhava. So, he says here what Prabhupada says, thus established in the mode of unalloyed goodness. So this means this is a liberated person. He's no longer, she's no longer under the influence of these gunas. Hmm? Interesting point here, of course, is that Freed from the influence of the gunas, there's still something to do. One's still not fully developed in terms of bhakti. In other paths, transcendental paths, like yoga, astanga yoga, and the jnana marg, the path of uh, introspection, vichar, and so forth, which have already been discussed in in this section, Mm -hmm. 
um, they culminate in retiring the influence of the gunas and the force of karma that keeps them in place. Bhakti doesn't end there. It goes on from there. Hmm? That's why it can make statements uh, like bhakti is sudulava and what is the other one? Moksha laghanukrit. Moksha laghanukrit. It means it's very rare. Hmm? Dulaba means rare. Sudulaba means very rare. Hmm? What do we find in Gita in this regard? Seventh chapter. Manushanam Sahasveshu. The text is through this. It says what? Manushanam Sahasveshu. Manusha means human society. It says human life is rare. This is the implication. Human life, Manushanam Sahasveshu. Human life is rare. In other words, How many germ forms of life are there in this room or on the end of my finger? We couldn't count them. So there are so many forms of life. Human form of life is rare. It's a rare opportunity. It is that form of life in which consciousness, which is life, that is able to express itself relative to its container in material existence. Uh, the, the body that it's a, it become a, attached to, the form of nature that's, 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 that's gathered itself around it and made it and obscured its sense of itself. Hmm? That consciousness passing through different species of life, these different cells and sentences, if you will. I mean, like cells like confinement and, uh, and sentences, time. Uh, it, it comes to human life. It's like probation. You got out of jail, but you had to report in every now and then to see if you're, going to, if you're really worthy to be in a, in a free man in the free world. Hmm? Um, uh, where are you, where, in other words, are you good enough to think? Do you deserve a form of life in which you can actually think that I uh, about yourself? Hmm? That's a lot of freedom. And what are you going to do with that? Are you going to take advantage of that to think it out and understand your necessity and um, uh, and, and uh, avail yourself of, the, of what is provided, for example, through the Guru Parampara, through revelation, to fully understand what you are. This is human life. Human life means, why am I? It's an existential crisis. Hmm? So are you going to rise to the occasion and answer a question that nature can't answer because nature is material and consciousness is the spiritual component, hmm? the two of which combined, it's a kind of a dualism, 
make the world go round. Hmm? Nature can't answer the spiritual question, the consciousness of the question of consciousness about itself. It can answer how to eat, how to sleep, how to make defend, but who I am I? Nature just pushes us to where we can get the answer to her source. Hmm? Kind of roughly sometimes she pushes us. She provides difficulties for us and so forth that give us a chance to rise above them and uh, rise to the occasion, so to speak, and, and recognize our helplessness, our necessity, hmm? so that we may exercise ourselves, make an effort to get grace. As I was saying the other day, there's grit and there's grace. The grit should be to get grace. Hmm? position ourselves such. So, this is, of course, the bhakti idea. Mm-hmm. And and so if we use the, the human form of life uh, properly and take advantage of that which descends beyond from beyond material nature, that from the transcendental to answer a question that, of that which pertains to the beyond. We pertain to the beyond. We're not of... Um, Matter. We're of a different. Uh, we're categorically different. Again, there's a kind of a dualism here, whatever you want to call it, quantum interactive dualism, or <laughs> or we would call it bhakti. How's that? <laughs> we call it chintya veda veda. So uh, 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 taking advantage of that which is available to human life, we call it the guru parampara, the succession of teachers and and revelation, the sacred texts and so forth that they they represent the, uh, and the the, uh, the spiritual practices that are recommended there. These these texts and these teachers come to encourage us. Yes, you are more than what meets the eye. All that you can be, we're here to help you with that. And these are the tools, and this is how you should conduct yourself, and so forth. So, someone who's gone through these stages of bhakti, and risen above nature, evam prasanamanaso. This is who's being talked about here in the first part of this verse. And the first line is describing bhava. Bhava means liberation from the gunas, and still there's something to go from there. Like I said, in the past, that's it. That's the culmination. Chitta vritti vrinirodha in yoga. The yoga of yoga, the yoga sutra said, chitta vritti nirodha. There are vrittis, waves, like in the chitta, in, in the faculty of perception uh, that we have, of, of, call it consciousness, for uh, yoga uh, and Vedanta seeks to it, it, it is that they are, I should say, a, 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 um, a science of, uh, of consciousness, exploring consciousness. It's not, it's, it's a system. I mean, science in that way, it's system and systematic. And uh, it's different from modern science, of course, but it has, at any rate, described this. Uh, Using this word chitta, it's kind of hard to put in English, but heart, mind, it's that internal organ by which we 
perceive, and, and, it, and it's it's full of. Uh, it's like a lake, but it's got full of waves, and the waves are these vrittis that are a result of our kind of ref, um, identifying with nature. Hmm? The mind identifies with a thing, and then experiences it. So there are these waves, chitta And so yoga is described by Patanjali in the Yoga Sutras, which is a different school than the Vedanta and Bhakti, but a transcendental school, school of transcendentalists, describes the goal of yoga as chitta nirodha, to stop these waves so that mind becomes like a peaceful lake, calm, hmm? placid, peaceful, hmm? evam prasana manaso. Something else is being described here, though. Hmm? It's speaking about creating waves in the lake that are more peaceful. Let's say you go to a lake and it's just placid, or just just peaceful, no disturbance. Hmm? But let's say then you sit there and you take a stone and throw it in the lake, and you take another stone and throw it in the lake in the exact same place, another one, another one, another one, all in the same place. Then you're going to get these concentric circles that go out like this. Bigger and bigger. It's not unpeaceful. Hmm? It's not like waves crisscrossing and somebody just jumped in and, and you know splashing around and so forth. And it's peaceful, in the, but it has movement at the same time. Hmm? Something, something different, a different kind of movement. Hmm? This is the idea of bhava. Evam prasana manaso. The mind, manasa, thus, having become situated in this sudasattva, pure goodness, in the context of cultivating bhakti, hmm, this rati, or bhava, comes. Evam prasana manaso. So the mind becomes prasana, enlivened. I think Prabhupada is translated, yeah, enlivened. It's something more than peaceful. Hmm? It's satisfied. It's peaceful. Now it's in. It's it's excited, hmm? excited in a positive way about its prospect. Having been freed from the prison of material existence, having passed through your probation, and you're really out now. You're a free person in the free world. And then, wow! What are the possibilities of that world? In comparison to you know my rock-breaking existence, and you know like Alcatraz, when you drive to San Francisco, you go across the Golden Gate Bridge, and there's all of San Francisco and everything that's going on. And if you look carefully over on the left, there, there's this little rock called Alcatraz. It used to be an active prison, so there were people living in there, breaking rocks all day long. This was their existence. And the whole of San Francisco just going on with so many lights and everything happening. But what are the possibilities of living in San Francisco compared to the possibilities of living in Alcatraz? Hmm? You might think, 
God, if I could just stop breaking rocks, my life would be peaceful. What about plugging into San Francisco? I mean, so, so this is an analogy, of course, to, to ex, ex, explain that there are possibilities in the realm of consciousness that far exceed the possibilities in material existence, which amounts to covering consciousness. Hmm? Like uh, putting a a shadow on it, dampening it, hmm? causing it to recede to the background, hmm? to identify with matter, to limit itself, and so forth. So, in bhakti school, then, we are interested in, in plugging into the whole, all the possibilities of consciousness. This is where bhakti and bhagavatam and Chaitanya Dev's teaching excels. Hmm? It doesn't end with mukta sangha siddhaya, I mentioned here, liberation, vairagya, detachment, retiring the negative, but there's something positive to be gained. So we're back at this lake and we've got these now concentric circles going and... And um, it's exciting. So, evam prasanamanaso, the mind becomes enlivened. It's not chitta vritti nirodha. That's there. These material vrittis, they stop. But another vritti comes. We call it bhakti vritti. Hmm? This is another kind of wave. And now we're in the ocean of the ocean. Hmm? It has waves. Uh, Staivav, sancharivav, anubhav, sattvikabhav. Vibhav, Sneha, Mam, Pranay, Raghun, Rag, Bhav, Mahabhav, all these things, possibilities are implied. Rupa Goswami has played them out, explained them in detail with examples and so forth. In his book, Bhakti Rasamrita, Sindhu, the Sindhu, the ocean of the deathless amrit nectar of bhakti, bhakti rasa, bhakti rasa. Hmm? So there's a whole, again, world hmm? outside of the prison of our, of our mind. And we begin to have direct uh, experience of the world, that world and its possibilities in the stage of bhakti. Previous to that, we're engaged in what's called sadhana bhakti. From sadhana bhakti comes bhava bhakti. From bhava bhakti or bhakti in ecstasy comes prem, love of God and perfection. Hmm? So here in this verse, both things are talked about in very in very brief, but bhava and the prem. We're talking about bhava. Bhava is first mentioned in bhakti rasamrita sindhu. In the very first chapter, what does Rupa Goswami say there? Anabhilashita sunyam jnana karmadi anabhitam anukulena krishnanushilanam bhakti ruttama. He gives a definition of bhakti. There was a definition of bhakti even earlier in this section in Bhagavatam. What was that definition? Yes. Rupa Goswami took that definition he took from Nard Pancharatra. What is the definition there of bhakti? Rishikena Rishikesha Sevanam Bhakti Rutam. These and 
refined the definition in such a way to come with this verse. Nabilashitasunyam gan karmadiyanabhitam anukulena krishnanushilanam bhagavadutama. Relative to the discussion about bhava, where does it come in this verse? Hmm? He says, bhakti is not this. It's free of this. It's devoid of that. It's devoid of karma or the desire for interaction with things and uh, uh, for their own sake and and gyan, knowledge for its own sake. Hmm? Bhakti I'm talking about, it says it's not bhakti to get things or bhakti to get away from things, hmm? which is what knowledge is about. In other words, if you have knowledge, you think, well, (laughs) why chase after things that don't endure? That doesn't make sense. I'll just sit. So jnana is about getting away from things. Karma is about going after things. Some people may employ a kind of a bhakti to get things and may employ bhakti to get away from things. We are engaged in bhakti to love Krishna, a side result of which is we get knowledge and we get away from things that don't have any bearing or we forego things that aren't favorable to bhakti. So we're interested in bhakti for its own sake. So he says, Gyan karmadi anabritam anukulena krishnanushilanam. He says, this bhakti is krishnanushilanam. Krishna means Krishna. Krishna means Krishna, Vishnu, his different avatars, forms, and so on and so forth. Hmm? Krishna, anu. Anu means, it means to follow, actually. Hmm? Anu. So Anu means to to follow the way of uh, that has been shown hmm, by others in the Guru Parampara, the disciplic succession of teachers hmm, serving how to serve Krishna. Krishna Anu Shilanam. Shilanam is the is the verb verbal root. So if we look at the verbal root in Sanskrit of a word. Aside from its affix, prefix, suffix, uh, isolate it, then it has various meanings. The verbal root could go in this way or that way. And then we can understand all the implications of the particular word. That's why you find many different interpretations of a word based on looking at the verbal root. Hmm? So here we find the verbal root shil. Shield, and it, it it implies two things. It implies a kind of a service, an active service, and the opposite of an active service, inactivity. Hmm? So, the way Rupa Goswami has used it, Krishnanu Shilanam. Shilanam means that there is an aspect of bhakti that is active where our senses, which are previously engaged in relation to things hmm, of the world, are now engaged in relation to Krishna. Hmm. But there's another side of this bhakti that is emotive. So it's not an activity, but it's internal, hmm, emotive. So we have the one side, Cheshta Rupa. It takes the form of activity, this bhakti culture, this Anushilam, Krishna. It's, a, it's an ongoing, like, 
culture of anukul, favorable service to Krishna in the form of physical services rendered with my senses and emotional, internal experiences. Cheshtarupa, Bhavarupa. Cheshta means it takes the form of activity and Bhavarupa means Rupa means form. It takes the form of emotive content. So uh, here we have then the first mention of this idea of bhava, which is a big topic, as you can see, uh, in Bhaktivedanta Sindhu. Then we come to the second chapter of Bhaktivedanta Sindhu, which is about sadhana, and there sadhana bhakti is defined as what? Kriti sadhya babet sadhya sadhya sa sadhana vidha. Nitya-siddha-sibhava-sya prakatam-nudhi-sadhya-taha This sadhana-bhakti is, a, is, we call it bhakti in practice. There's sadhana-bhakti, there's bhava-bhakti, there's prema-bhakti. We engage in sadhana-bhakti to attain bhava-bhakti. We engage in bhava-bhakti to attain Prem bhakti. So we do bhakti for bhakti's sake. Hmm? The difference here is between like an unripe mango, one that's like you can pick it from the tree, give it a day or two more, hmm? and it'll be ripe, and a ripe, a fully ripe one, hmm? something like that. You know, when it's fallen from the tree or it's about to, you think know, I could pick that, and maybe give it a day or something. That is bhava, and then comes praying fully mature. So it's bhakti only for the sake of bhakti. But now, so this there's this thing called sadhana bhakti. It's bhakti with the senses. Now bhakti is fully transcendental. So and it said, atahashi Krishna namadi na bhavat grayamindrai. One cannot experience Krishna with material senses. And bhakti is all about experiencing Krishna. That's what it's about. It's about a relationship with Krishna. So how can we do bhakti with the senses? Well, that's called sadhana bhakti. Sometimes the example is given that if you're to perform a fire sacrifice, then certain ingredients are required. Gathering those ingredients doesn't constitute doing the sacrifice, but the sacrifice won't go on without, without gathering them either. Hmm? So they're related to the sacrifice in such a way that they can be called in an extended way. That we say, let's do a sacrifice. Let's make an Agni Hotra, means a kind of a fire sacrifice, a homa. Hmm? We chant different mantras and so on, make a fire. So we say, let's do a fire sacrifice. So then Okay, you get this, and you get that, and so forth. Hmm? It's not the fire sacrifice in itself, but without that gathering of ingredients, there's no fire sacrifice. So it is in an, ex- an extended way. So this sadhana bhakti is like an extended idea of bhakti, where we engage our senses in the service of the deity, hearing, chanting, taking prasad, and so on and so forth, hearing the kata like this. Uh, we engage our senses, but as of yet, in sadhana bhakti, there is no profound 
emotional content, the mind has still got these rittis going on in it. Hmm? It hasn't gone away yet. The mind hasn't been arrested, if you will, by bhakti. Hmm? This is bhava. Hmm? Uh, so, in the second place that this bhava is mentioned, Rupa Goswami gives this verse. He describes sadhana bhakti. He says, kriti sadhya pabet sadhya. It, sadhana bhakti is a bhakti that's performed with the senses. Kriti, kriti sadhya pabet sadhya. Bhava sa sadhana bhidha. Hmm? It's that activity performed with the senses that results in the emotive experience. Hmm? Now, it's not that we don't have emotions. We have emotions, but these are material emotions. We apply them in relation to bhakti and so on and so forth. What we're talking about here in terms of bhava is another thing. Emotions entirely based on the... Uh, object of our love, Krishna, that permeate the mind, take over the mind, that kind of the mind becomes almost. And so it's full of these waves, just like when you're in love, you've got these waves in your mind, like, does he love me? He loves me not. She loves me? She loves me not. Do you love me? You know, it's like like a roller coaster. So we're on a roller coaster ride with with, with love of Krishna. Hmm? Um, so, in sadhana bhakti, we perform these activities to achieve that kind of emotion. Then there are those activities continue, but they're arising not from intelligence, for example, but from spiritual feeling, ecstasy. Out of ecstasy, chants. Out of ecstasy, she dances. It's in ecstasy she takes prasad, not because she's hungry. In ecstasy. Ah, it's been offered to Krishna. I will honor it. Something like that. So, Rupa Goswami says, sadhana bhakti is defined as that activity performed with the senses that results in bhava. But then the question may be, Arise, oh, so bhava is something that's created. It's, an, it's something that's, that is within the boundaries of time. It didn't exist, I will do this, and it will exist. No, the verse says, bhavasya. Why would it be worth attaining then? Hmm? If it was a product of time hmm, that, that, that was what didn't exist at some time was generated and so forth, like other things of this world that come and go. No, so it says, This Baba is eternally existing. Hmm? It's eternally existing, and what happens is it comes and takes over the mind and the heart of the devotee at a certain point, and it appears to originate there, but it doesn't originate there. Just like Krishna appears to originate in the house of Vasudev in the, in, the, in the prison arranged by Kamsa, but we know that Krishna is not really born there. Krishna is already existing mm-hmm. before that. He appears there. Mm-hmm. So Baba appears in the heart of the devotee, but it's, that's not its, its origin. It's eternally existing. It, it descends, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, what's the time? Five after eight. 
So we're going to talk more about this in the next few classes. Um, it's time to stop for tonight. So, are there any questions? Yes. Somebody said that Baba almost made the mind as itself or something like that. Can it's like this. If you have an iron rod, like that iron rod that we move those logs around in there, and if you take that iron rod and you stick it in that fire and hold it there for an hour inside the fire, and then I take that and I touch you with it, will you say, why did you touch me with the iron rod? No, you say, you burned me. You got touched by fire. It's actually an iron rod, but it's actually fire. <laughs> so the mind is taken over like this by the by bhava. Hmm? This is in the body, the whole sadaka deha, the, the body of the practitioner becomes like a like fire. It's no longer like iron, it's like fire. It's moving, breathing, only for Krishna, something like that. Another question? All right, we'll stop there. Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Gijaya. Bhūt Premanam Gijaya.